Okay, first of all, I just want to mention that, um, in case nobody knows, I'm Pamela Rice, and I'm the author of 101 Reasons Why I'm a Vegetarian, which is a popular pamphlet. We've got about a couple hundred thousand of them out there in the world. And does anybody have a copy of it? I forgot to bring a copy. Uh, if they can hold it up. Meanwhile, uh, it's also in book form, and uh, I just thought for sure that the uh, conference here would have copies of it for sale, but they don't. <laughs> Oh, they do? Yeah, they do. Oh, maybe they just came in. Okay, good. So uh, uh, we have a whole chapter here on subsidies, and uh, we've got a hundred other chapters on uh, everything, all the arguments to be vegetarian are in there. Um, and I'm sure I probably missed some. So, I mean, there's just so much. You know, it just goes on and on and on and on. Okay, uh, the meat, dairy, and fishing industries are subsidized, propped up, pampered, assuaged, coddled, and otherwise indulged in every way imaginable by the U.S. government. This is a talk about subsidies to the meat industry, or to, really to the flesh industries, because uh, I guess when you talk about fish, that sometimes doesn't include, I mean, when you talk about meat, it doesn't include fish or poultry. Anyway, it's the flesh industries. Uh, favors from the government come to these industries overtly, obscurely, or invisibly by way of tax breaks, credit guarantees, price floors, bailouts, commodity support purchases, emergency aid as exemptions from animal welfare and environment laws, and in the form of operating costs such as food safety, research, consulting, trade negotiations, and international public relations, and it just goes on and on and on. Um, it's, it's all political, folks. It's, it's, all, it's all handouts to special interests. And uh, the Farm Bill comes up every five, five or six years uh, or so, and luck would have it. It's up for discussion right now. Uh, New York Times has front-page story about the Farm Bill. It does uh, once every five or six years when the Farm Bill comes up. You get that... that uh, uh, periodic uh, front-page story in the New York Times about subsidies, uh, about the Farm Bill, and then, and about how everybody is upset that certain industries are getting too much subsidies, uh, and, but there's never anything anybody can do about it. That's the story in the New York Times, every time. Uh, and we can't do anything about it because there's, um, I don't know, a dozen men, I don't know if there are any women involved, but uh, someplace called uh, the House Agriculture Committee. And they, I was just talking to a gentleman in the back row here, Nick, um, that uh, I believe it's the reason why we're all standing here. We're all sitting here because of those, those guys in that room. Because subsidies is what is fueling all of this. It's why we have surpluses of grain and why um, then you don't know what to do with that grain, and you got it, so feed it to animals. <laughs> so then you have uh, an animal, animal agriculture in America. Uh, by hook or by crook, these industries endeavor to slough off their costs onto the rest of us, and our government's behind them all the way. Meanwhile, the more they get, the more they grouse, and they never, ever, ever seem to get enough. And my slogan to them from a vegan standpoint is, we want economic justice for vegetarians and vegans. Uh, and we want a separation of meat and state. So <laughs> throw, wow. throw these slogans out there. And let's think of more 
Uh, we vegetarians and ve well, I'm going to say vegetarians. I don't like the word vegan. I don't think we should use it. We vegetarians need to get political. Um, I did a talk uh, just uh, yesterday on um, the environmental impacts of fishing. There were four people in the room listening to my talk. Uh, you know, it might have something to do with nobody knows who I am and they don't maybe like the way I talk. I don't know. But we vegetarians need to get get political. We need to start talking about fishing. We need to get involved with policy uh, policy issues. We need to be part. We need to be at the table. Um, uh, uh, voting, whatever, on these policy issues. Uh, I was mentioning that, okay, the Farm Bill is up for discussion right now. Uh, and it's being voted on. It probably, I don't know, it was voted on this week or will be next week. And uh, the, the reason why we must have subsidies this time is because the Democrats got a majority in, in uh, Congress, and there are a lot of freshmen, congressmen, Democratic, and uh, they are largely, interestingly, in districts where a lot of these subsidies go. And we can't lose our majority in Congress. The Democrats can't lose that majority in Congress. So subsidies are going to be here, even though... Prices are high right now for commodities, particularly corn, which is very critical because that's a feed grain. Um, and um, because of the ethanol that, that, that's um, keeping prices high. And that's the reason why we have subsidies to ethanol to keep prices high. Okay. <clears throat> uh, animal agriculture has long eclipsed. Excuse me. Um, okay, the, the meat, in, meat industry. Excuse me. Okay, meat industry subsidies emerge from one would think an impossible dilemma: how to remake what has always been a luxury good. Animal foods have always been a luxury good, really. I mean, um, how to remake what has always been a luxury good with its high production costs into one that is universally consumed. I mean, rich people, poor people eat meat three times a day, seven days a week. It simply cannot be done without an extremely effective public relations engine that sees to it that this industry's costs are externalized onto society as a whole. The heavy burden is transferred to several victims that quite conveniently are unable to fight back, the animals, the environment, and the taxpayer. Now, uh, the animals... Uh, they eventually fight back. You know, they will kill you with, uh, you know, some disease. Uh, they transfer their own diseases to you. Uh, they'll get you um, uh, with salmonella or E. coli or something. Uh, the environment, it's, it's biting us in the back, in the butt pretty soon. You know, we're going to have global warming, and we already have, you know, water and water pollution, air pollution, land pollution, uh, global warming. Uh, uh, by the way, I'm going to give a commercial here. Tomorrow morning at 8.30 a.m., uh, I'm doing a talk on uh, environmental impact of meat, just in, in flesh foods, I guess it should be. And uh, it's not real clear on, on, in, in the program. It's at the top of the page, and it doesn't look like it's part of that, that time frame. So look carefully, if you would, uh, because it's integral. The, the environment is, is the loser here with subsidies. Uh, and I'm going to be mentioning a few environmental things, but I can't talk at length. But tomorrow I'll be talking a little bit more at length at that alone. 
let's see, uh, the, and also taxpayers. They were the third victim I mentioned. Of course, we taxpayers, we can get back. We can vote these guys out of office. Uh, but um, there's a lot of things that are keeping these people in office. Uh, animal agriculture. Pretty much right. Uh, and, you know, that goes for subsidies, too. Once you have a subsidy, it's, it, once you have a program that gives subsidies to, to an interest group, it's very hard to take them away. But, but, but I'm going to have questions at the end. Uh, so write down your comments. Has ever been reduced? I can't think of one. I can't think of one, but we've got a lot to cover here. Animal agriculture has long eclipsed fruit and vegetable farming in the United States in importance. Uh, while U.S. government support for produce farmers is nothing to speak of, although that's changing this year with this farm bill, we got uh, $1.8 billion in, in subsidies to, to fruit and vegetable farmers coming in now. Uh, and I have the New York Times article here if you want to watch, uh, uh, read it. It's fascinating reading. Um, uh, so uh, fruit and vegetables get nothing but for the meat, um, meat and dairy industries, the cup runneth over, particularly for those farmers who stick with the big commodity commodities. Uh, and those are sugar, wheat, corn, soy, cotton, and rice. These get $20 billion every year from the U.S. government. And they always talk about we're going to take it away from them because they don't deserve it. They're all rich people getting this money. Uh, but they slide through every time, and they're doing it again this time. And, and even, uh, well, the Bush administration is, they say they want to get rid of the subsidies. They always say that, but then they say, but we need to give it to corn and soybeans, and that's interesting. Because of these uh, six big commodities, sugar, wheat, corn, soy, cotton, and rice, uh, you know, you might say to me, except for the cotton, which is not, you know, uh, food, uh, that, you know, all of those are vegetarian foods. You know, what's wrong with that? You know, so, but, but they aren't. Um, wheat, uh, I mean, correction, corn and soybeans are, are meat foods. It's... It's in a different form. They, they're going to be meat, you know, when they, they're feed grains. Uh, 80% of the, um, uh, of these 70, 80, 90% in there uh, are fed to animals. And in this country in general, 70% of all grain in this country goes to feed animals. So with, with that, that kind of percentage, most of agriculture in America is animal agriculture, you know. So this is a big problem for us vegans who want to look at the farm bill like I have and do, you know, and call up the USDA and I try and pick out figures, numbers. I want to get these numbers out here. And you can't because they, they have phrases like ranchers and farmers. Now, we know ranchers, that's entirely animal agriculture, but, but farmer, what's a farmer? A farmer could be the, the wonderful people, if, you know, you know that, that feed us. Or it could be, you know, a factory farmer. Same, they call them farmers. So it's, it's a lot of times the, 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 would the word be nomenclature, you know, it's, if you read the farm bill, uh, I'm going to get down to that, actually, line items in the farm bill that I have tried it's to... 
it, it is. Okay, a lady can, can back me up there. Um, anyway, as for these subsidies, oh, let me go back. Another thing I want to mention is that what are the excuses that the, that the, the legislators use when every time the farm bill comes up and they say why we need these subsidies? And, 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 and two of them is, you know, we have to have a safety net for the small farmer. And everybody melts when they hear that, you know. And uh, it isn't. It isn't uh, a safety net for small farmers. It's just the opposite. Small farmers are, are, are blown away by these subsidies because they're not getting them in the same percentages as the big guys. Because the big guys are getting more because they're bigger. The bigger you are, the more you get. And uh, don't, don't uh, you know, ask me. Go to the Environmental Working Group. Uh, they have a tremendous website. Uh, God bless these guys. Uh, EWG.org. Uh, and EWG.org, if you're taking notes, go to this website and you can click around and you can find out actually how much money your neighbor is getting. Put in a, put in a zip code. And my sister, she, she lives in DeKalb, Illinois, which is right smack dab in a corn-producing area. And she can key in her zip codes, nearby zip codes, and she can find out how much money people she may know are, are getting. Just, and these are treasury checks in the mail. You know when you get a refund from the government? It says U.S. Treasury at the top. These guys are getting treasury checks in the mail. Uh, and it doesn't, again, it's not tied to prices. It's not tied to prices. They, uh, and that's a, kind of a long story. I don't know if I want to go into except say quickly that in 1996, there was a real push to get rid of these subsidies. They were really going to try this time. And up until then, subsidies had always been tied to prices. Uh, then they said, okay, we're going to tell all these farmers that have been getting subsidies all this time that your time is going to be up in six, seven years. I forget what it was. And, and at, that, at the end of that time, it's, it's, it's over. It's over. So start planning now. And, and we're going to open things up. You can do different kind of agriculture. You can do uh, boutique kind of agriculture, different things that, that, that is your... Um, uh, responding to the market, in other words. I mean, agriculture from the Depression era to 1996 was basically like the Soviet Union, you know, to support farming interests. And they said, okay, we're going to try and uh, hook into the market a little more here, and you better start planning for it. And meanwhile, we're going to give you lots and lots of money. <laughs> And uh, it was something like, you know, that this is when this $20 billion, and then subsidies you know, went up farther than they ever had been before. And they didn't, and they, the only criteria was for you to get that subsidy was you got it in the past. And prices, whether they're high or low, doesn't matter. And, and in fact, prices went right up afterwards, and everybody says, oh, well, those farmers must be putting that money away in the bank to, you know, put away for a rainy day. Uh, anyway, they didn't go away in 2002. In 2002, uh, there just was no political will whatsoever, and, the, and this $20 billion just went through. And now 2007, uh, five years later, farm bill's up again, and it's going to slide right through again. All right, all right. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Let me see. Direct payments. Um, okay. The bigger your operation, the bigger your government checks. Direct payments that over a span of a few years can amount to over a million dollars. 
Uh, with this kind of money, a farmer can buy out the small farmer neighbors for whom the subsidies way back when were designed to help. Um, any person engaged, okay, uh, uh, Keith Collins, uh, chief economist at the USDA, you might want to write it down, you might want to Google his name. Uh, he has, you know, he, he gives reports uh, every year. Uh, honestly, I'm not sure if he's still around um, doing things, but he's, I'm sure he's got all kinds of things that are still posted as archive material. And uh, you'll get you get the the real deal from from him. I mean, and you know, interestingly, the USDA when you when you write to them, when you call them up, I call them up. I talk to these people, and they they scurry around. They will help you. They'll try and answer your questions and everything. They're just they're just wonderful. <laughs> they're 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 wonderful people. Anyway, um, I, but uh, and they really do try and help you out. Okay. Anyway, Keith Collins. He uh, he wrote something that I just made my eyes pop. I had had put this in fact in my book. This is also this quote's also in my book. Uh, Any person engaged in small business in America would be amazed. Their jaws would drop at the money farmers receive. Explains Keith. Uh, let me say that he's the chief economist at the USDA. Uh, um, uh, you see, if you've got a business, let's say you've got a business, you've got expenses. Farmers have expenses. Everybody's got them. And if the government, let's say, says, we like this business over here. I think we'll pay their mailing costs all the time. Now, so that's all this free money coming into a business. And what are you going to do? You're going to produce more of whatever you're producing. It's just natural. And so there are oversupplies. And that's what it's all about. This ends up as gluts and oversupplies. And if you, if you listen to my uh, talk tomorrow morning, I really hope you come, 8.30 a.m., another commercial, I really say, um, that, that there are other inputs, the other reasons why there's, there's gluts out there. Um, there's um, uh, um, technical reasons why there are gluts. Uh, also, uh, petrochemical fertilizers are basically just a fuel for gluts out there. And we have just so much goddamn grain that, that, that is, we have to do something with it. And, you know, so it's, it's worked out over time that where all that grain goes is to feed animals, lots of animals. And that's why we have such cheap meat on the market. I'm not sure if that answers your question, but I'm going to move on. Um, for freed for free grains, feed grains, annual government handouts amount to, um, uh, it's very hard to pick out, but I came up with about $5 billion a year go to feed grains every year. And that's, that's just, you know, that's part of those uh, six commodities. Uh, but that's a lot of money, $5 billion going into the Midwest from the government every year, year in, year out, year after year after year. You know, it adds up. Um, uh, the unnatural support creates oversupplies of both grain and livestock, as I've explained here, engendering gluts that eventually require their own government bailouts with excessive price tags, which I'm going to be talking about a few of those. I could talk literally for hours here. Okay, for instance, um, uh, to appease farmers besieged with historic, historically low hog prices in the late 1990s, there was this odd thing where there was uh, uh, low slaughter capacity. And so there were, 
lots of hogs. It was the hog glut of 1999. 20,000 pork farmers went out of business in one year uh, because of this. And what did the government do? gave them $250 million, which didn't amount to anything per farmer, but it was politically expedient. Uh, Okay, uh, I want to go kind of down the line on some of these line items in in the the farm bill. Now, I need a lot of help with this. I have, I mean, I have just looked at this thing, and I have just tried to pick out a few things. I feel so inadequate up against this, (laughs) I tell you. Great. Excellent. Um, The following list is a few exemplary items one regularly finds in the USDA budget. Uh, Most are enough to make any taxpayer fume uh, vegetarian or not. Okay. Uh, uh, There's just basic commodity. Okay, number one. The most obvious is that the government buys meat and uh, dairy products and animal food products, just buys them up, um, $800 million worth a year, and uh, uh, the, the, uh, it buys beef, chicken, eggs, cheese, fish, pork, turkey, lamb, goose, and, of course, milk, lots and lots of milk. Uh, buffalo and salmon have also graced um, this list in the past. And salmon, depending on the species that you buy, it could be considered a, you know, a threatened animal out in the wild. Um, they're deemed surplus removal programs. <coughs> Absolutely. Um, surplus removal programs, and they're designed to shore up prices for producers. They're designed to shore up prices for producers, isn't it? I mean, I mean, again, if you were in business, wouldn't you like it if suddenly the government bought up your surplus and they did it every year? If they were going to do it every year, wouldn't you just prepare for that and make a surplus every year? Well, they do. They do. Okay. Um, the, the, the USDA, I'm getting to that, please. Uh, the USDA buys up so much powdered milk. The USDA buys up so much powdered milk, it literally cannot give it away fast enough. Um, think UNICEF. Uh, storage costs come to $20 million per year for the perpetual $1 billion stockpile. I have the reference for that. It's an amazing fact. i get you the reference. When surpluses are dumped on foreign markets as aid or as underpriced food items, they disrupt local economies. And um, uh, ultimately, all of, this, uh, all of this stuff that the government buys up ends up in the school lunch program, almost all of it. It's a $6 billion program, by the way, the school lunch program. It was, it's designed to uh, support farmers. That's it. It's designed to support, support farmers. And the problem with it is that, that it is the worst food. It's, it is the worst food. It is fatty meat. Uh, there's a, half of it, I will is, I grant you, is vegetables and fruits. But half of it is fatty meats and meat, feed foods. And this is being fed to our kids and uh, 
it's great for the industries because when you feed this kind of food to kids, they've got a taste for it for the rest of their lives. And then if people like us come around and we say, hey, you know, that stuff's not good to eat. You're talking to an adult by now. And, and they say, well, I like meat. <laughs> so how many times have I heard that? I like meat. <laughs> Uh, I do a lot of leafleting, as, as a lot of people know. I'll get to your question at the end. Six million, Correction. Six billion. I'm, thank you so much. Thank you so much for correcting me. School, school lunch program is a $6 billion program, and, and $800 million of it is the actual commodities. The commodities are cheap. It's the administration of this that's huge, you know, obviously. But, but still, uh, you know, okay, I'm going to get to those questions at the end. If I talk fast enough, we'll have time for questions. And I'm trying to do that. Uh, okay, let's move on. Uh, I may have some... Um, okay, you might want to write down the word commodity credit corporation. They are involved with uh, the dis dis distribution of this largesse, and they are part of the USDA. So, if you want to, you know, I want to give you some key search terms if you go back onto the internet. Uh, food safety and inspection service. This one is. Uh, possibly controversial, even among people in this room. Uh, we don't want, you know, our grandmother to drop dead from food poisoning. You know, we, we all know meat eaters, and we like some of them. We love some of them. They're our family in many cases, and we don't want them dropping dead from food poisoning. So we have the Food Safety and Inspection Service, and almost all bacteria out there uh, that kills you, it makes you sick, Salmonella, E. coli, uh, uh, E. coli 0157-87, and uh, Salmonella, uh, Listeria, all those fun things. They're, they all infect meat, and the meat industry, uh, meat industry uh, incubated these things. They never existed, or if they did, they were just so, they, they, they were never a problem. I mean, our grandparents never had these things to worry about. Uh, it's factory farming that has incubated these things. So we need this food safety inspection service to do all these amazing, I mean, I could talk a whole hour on, on contamination of meat and animal products. And, uh, you know, it's, E. coli is getting on our, our, our spinach now, you know, and it comes from the local feedlot. Okay. So, uh, this program primarily oversees the safety of meat and poultry. Notwithstanding the fact that the program is inadequate to handle the job properly, nobody can handle this job, uh, the question remains, why can't the industry reimburse the government for its trouble via user fees? Other industries have them. Uh, airline industry, SEC has user fees. Uh, certain industries need government oversight. So if you need a service, you've got to pay for it. But this, this industry doesn't pay for it. The pay, taxpayers pay for it. They say, well, it's a conflict of interest. You know, you know, you don't want the, the, the meat industry can't be trusted or something. But there's already collusion between the industry and the government regarding food safety. Um, let me see. Um, uh, proposals. Uh, okay. Okay. Um, the, the USDA, by the way, uh, Thanksgiving th Thanksgiving rolls around, and uh, everybody's cooking their turkey. And they're getting real worried because they heard about food, you know, they heard that, you know, your turkey can poison you. <laughs> right. 
real easy if you don't cook it right. Well, there are 13, like probably, you know, um, home, homemakers, former homemakers that are now working for the USDA. You can call them up. There's a hotline to help you so you don't poison your family at, at Thanksgiving or any time all through the year. So yeah, it's just one more thing, you know. And it, it, nobody's calling up uh, these food safety housewives or housemen, whatever you want to call them, uh, out there giving advice about how, you know, how to avoid food poisoning when you prepare foods. Nobody's calling up about, you know, your vegan uh, broccoli or your uh, mango salad. You know, it's it, it's it's turkey. It's it's your chicken is is killing you. You know. All right. <clears throat> um, now a lot of these these uh, subsidies are going into disrepute. A uh, lot of lot of criticism, obviously. I mean, uh, uh, anybody who looks into it, they say this isn't fair, special interest, da da da. So uh, what they do is they try and they maybe take maybe reduce the subsidy over here but there's always the back door you know they're funneling uh, money in another way and uh, the, the way they do it these days is through environmental programs and I'm going to talk a little bit about two of them uh, conservation reserve program now most people in this room if they heard about it or they heard about conservation reserve program they heard a little bit about it, they, they they might say well that's a good thing you know, it's for the environment. It's good. Uh, but when you analyze a little bit closer, as, as only a vegan can do, by the way, remember that. If you guys are vegans. You're seeing all of this very, very differently. And that's why we have to get at the policy table. You know, okay, don't, don't, don't let me, don't, okay, I, 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 that, that's, we have to get at the policy table. And, and uh, because meat eaters are not going to make these changes. They just aren't. And, and I've seen it over and over again. I mean, just they, they've, they've got blinders on. This is, this is their thing. They want it subsidized. They want plenty of what they got out there, even though it's petrochemical food. It basically comes from petrochemicals. That's, where it, or, that's why there's so much of it. Okay, uh, Conservation Reserve Program, $2 billion program. Last I heard it was $1.8 billion, something in that, that neighborhood every year. This program rents from farmers strips of land that lie between farmland and waterways. Uh, it does other things, but this is the primary purpose. Because uh, the USDA woke up one day and they found out that the waters were polluted. They were terribly polluted. Our rivers, they did, did you know, water samples. You know, wow, what happened here? Because they, they had, the, the, the Clean Water Act had gotten rid of all the, the junk coming out of the factories. But the waters were still polluted like mad. And they, they just, they figured it out. It was runoff from farms. And runoff, uh, this is what I'm going to really be talking about tomorrow. Uh, you basically have these petrochemical fertilizers that are fertilizing corn, corn crops. And, and that, that fertilizer doesn't, doesn't go into the, the plant all. It, it, it evaporates a lot of it, and that, that pollutes the air and the land later when it comes down with rain. Uh, it, it pollutes uh, certainly all the waterways. It's going down to the local creek, it, and it's slow. It's slow, and nobody sees it. And, and, and it's, uh, you can't tie it back to any particular farmer. It's runoff, and rain comes down, and uh, you know the fertilizers that went on that land five or eight years ago finally, eventually get to the stream, which goes to the tributary, which goes to the river, which goes to the you know you know the 
you know, the, the Mississippi River and down it goes, and you've got a dead zone in, in, in the Gulf of Mexico, and we'll be talking about that tomorrow morning. Anyway, so the, the, the government, so what you need are buffer zones, uh, foliage that will kind of uh, utilize these, what they call, quote, unquote, nutrients. Uh, beware of euphemisms. They're just replete in, in, in USDA language. It's another reason why you can't read the farm bill. Okay, uh, nutrients. Well, it's really new. It's a pollutant. That's what it is. Uh, and I'll go into this a lot more tomorrow. Okay, so these nutrients are, are filtering their way into the waterway, but uh, we need to catch them first with these foliage, strips of foliage land, uh, right, you know, between the waterway and, and the farms. And I guess they work. I guess they work. They've mitigated. Uh, so, so, but it um, seems to me if, if you're polluting the environment, and that's what these farmers are doing with all these petrochemical fertilizers, putting them on their corn crops. Then you need to clean it up yourself. You've got to clean it up yourself. You've got to pay for it yourself. And you've got to pass your costs on to your consumer. It's simple. Simple. I mean, it just, that's fair. That's fair. Anything else is not fair. But what's going on right now? The government, you know, in fact, beware of environmental groups. Environmental groups are just happy to spend money uh, uh, with programs, but they don't go back to the problem. The problem is, you know, this meat industry, really. Okay. Um, so the environmental groups are all for CRP. They're yeah. actually not all for CRP. I, I want to just uh, kind of get through, but uh, uh, so um, uh, the program does not stop the pollution from flowing. That's what I want to mention. They're not interested in that. And this is actually just sort of a backdoor way to make up for all the subsidies maybe they're taking away from other places that aren't as politically uh, uh, defensible. Okay. Um, and even if the CRP were to, a way to solve the problems, the farmers should pay for the buffers themselves, like I mentioned, passing their costs out. Uh, and ultimately, raising the price of their product. That's what we want to do. We want to make their product back where it belongs. It's a luxury item.